Cloudspeaker Studios. Bill Victor Rukan, and this is... Hey everybody, James Balsamo, CEO of Acid Bath Productions. You're listening to Talkin' Troma. Welcome to our show. Welcome to our show. It's a good show. Big, big shoe. It's really huge. Welcome to the show. Tromaville, and welcome to episode 12 of Talkin' Troma with your host, me, Zach Bynes. The show where me and a guest save the world from rubber monsters by watching a trauma movie and then pair it with a non-trauma title for a fantasy double feature. But first, let me introduce my guest. He is a veteran of Tromaville, has soaked the screen with plenty of blood, boobs, and beasts, directed over 31 feature films. Alongside of him is his partner, actor, and producer extraordinaire. Let me introduce to you James Balsamo and Bill Rukan. Thanks for coming on the show, fellas. Thanks for having us. Yeah, let's party! Heck yeah, it's a trauma party, for sure. <laughs> That's right. Call well, talk trauma. Exactly. Well, one of the things I like to do right off the bat is is I want to know how you guys even first heard of trauma. Or what were your first experiences with trauma? So I am not actually not a trauma person, but I've learned a lot of stories through James, who actually worked in trauma. So James pretty much gave me all the lowdown and great stories. So you got to hear it all from James first. <laughs> well, what was your first things before you started even working at Troma? What was your what was like your first uh, view into that world? Uh, so I grew up on the Toxic Crusaders. I had all the action figures, the comic books, the Toxie comic books. You know what I mean? So yeah. uh, Toxie was ingrained into me as a small lad. And then uh, I was working at a comic book store and somebody had brought in a copy of the Toxic Avenger Part 2 to sell, and somebody goes, hey, you know, they're right in New York. I was living in Long Island at the time, and uh, that Friday, I quit, and then I started taking out Lloyd Kaufman's trash on Monday. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so, when you were working at Troma, what kind? Of, what was your position there? Uh, slave, I think uh, <laughs> they, they have. You know, it was cool, though, because I learned every trick in the book from Lloyd Kaufman and Michael Hers. You know what I mean? I uh, I came in right when they were editing Poultry Geist. So unfortunately, I didn't get to work on the film, but I did a lot of promotion while they were editing it. And uh, I got to play the Toxic Avenger uh, for a Barnes and Noble book signing Lloyd Kaufman did. And that's actually how he had done a cameo in my first film. The Mark, which I believe you have a story about. Yeah. So um, on the hiatus of the show, I was moving 
and I'm working on getting together my huge uh, trauma collection. And in there, I had a stack of burned DVDs. And just just a couple days before we were recording this, I was unpacking this you know box of DVDs, and I found a copy of a burned DVD copy. It said James Balsamo's The Mark that I must have stolen from a trauma dance film festival, like after they screened it. And which is just so, so random that we haven't met before, but I have probably the only copy in existence of your first movie. <laughs> you have the only copy in existence, the only burned DVD of The Mark as a singular film. I, I ended up taking The Mark and turning it into a part of my first anthology film, Hack Job, that came out in 2011. But I started making the mark at 19 you know what i mean so i like i sat on that 40 minute film and turned it into a feature when i was 25 so it's it's insane that we met and then you went home and found the only copy of my first <laughs> film that's insane. yeah because like we only like all three of us we just met like not even a month ago at the colorado festival of horror out here in Denver. And I saw, I saw that you were on the, on the bill and whenever I've been doing research for these episodes and seeing what other movies people are in, um, your movies always show up and I've, you know, recognized the posters from before. And even like back in the day, you've messaged me on Facebook telling me about hack jobs. And of course I was intrigued because odorous from Guar is in it. So, you know, being a Guar fan, I had to check that out. So I was excited that you came to that and I knew you like trauma movies, but I had no idea you actually worked at trauma until we met. And I was like, well, you got to come on the show. <laughs> so, so crazy. What a small world. But yeah, I saw that. Uh, so when I had made my first film, I, in 2010, 2011, I had started just messaging people on Facebook that had trauma as an interest. And I'm like, Hey, if you like trauma, you're going to like this new movie. It's got Quar in it and Lloyd Kaufman and Debbie Rashawn and Lynn Lowry. And that's, it's funny. You, you never responded. You bastard. No, <laughs> I, I don't think I, I, I don't know if we were friends on Facebook, so I, I don't think I responded. We, but I we weren't. I was just messaging <laughs> random people that had liked trauma as a page and being like, check out. It was like free advertising before like, you know, spamming people through Facebook Messenger was a thing. We and yeah, I, I mean, I definitely did that on MySpace with uh, the misled romance of Cannibal Girl and Incest Boy. So, so uh, back when you used to be able to do that, and not get banned from the website. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, well, so before you started working at Troma, were you interested in making movies, or did that happen because you were working at Troma? I was. So I I've been acting since I was eight, and uh, you know I'm in a whole bunch of you know, movies and TV shows as an extra and, uh, you know, small bit parts. Like I'm on an episode of uh, CSI where Jerry, oh shit, what's his name? Jerry Flachoyven. How am I forgetting his name? <laughs> or Bakker. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's Law and Order. Jerry, Jerry Lewis. That was a test. That was the steal my Jerry Lewis impersonation would fly. It doesn't. Now we know. So I'm on an episode where Jerry Lewis kills a guy 
on a train platform and I'm like one of the people that sees him murder somebody. So, you know, I was doing that kind of stuff, but I had always wanted to be in horror movies. So working at Troma kind of gave me the push to, you know, after I got enough shaker DVDs, those are the free DVDs. Troma oh, yeah. They're like broken in the case. They shake around. So they call them shakers. Um, after I had seen hundreds of those um, in the year that I had worked at Troma, I said <laughs> I could make a movie and that was it. I had started filming a movie and I knew nothing about cinematography or anything. I just was kind of like, I'm making a movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I got Lloyd Kaufman to, to be in it and Debbie or Sean thought I was cute. And so she did a role in the movie. And, uh, and then I went out to California and I got Lynn Lowry to do a cameo. And I got Guar in it, and that was it. And that's how I made my first movie. But, you know, I had wanted to act in horror movies, and that's how it all came to be. And look, looking through your IMDb, and then also through my DVD collection, I noticed that you're credited as playing Toxie in the intro for a few different uh, trauma DVDs, like Space Patrol, or Rock and Roll Space Patrol, and uh, uh, Macabre Paris Shorts, and... and uh, a couple others. <laughs> yeah, so I, I play the Toxic Avenger in the DVD intros of like six films. Whenever you see furry Italian forearm Toxie, that's how you know it's me. Uh, what's really funny is that I played Toxie in Coons, Night of the Bandits, which is like a killer raccoon movie. And Amazon has me as one of the leading stars, but they only have the actual movie, not the trauma intro. So like the Amazon movie doesn't even have me in it and it's got me like top listed. <laughs> I think it's kind of crazy. I think Coons played at Trauma Dance the same year that the Mark did. And I think my the movie that I made, My Bloody Valentine, played the same, that same Trauma Dance. Also, uh, you know, it's jumping ahead a little bit, but also at that same Trauma Dance, Blood, Boobs and Beast played. The, the Night Beast uh, Don Dollar documentary, which is kind of kind of a small world there. <laughs> so small. And then how apropos for this episode with Bill and I, right? Yeah. It's all very <laughs> sitular. Exactly. Well, what other kind of stuff did you do in the trauma offices? I know you said you took out Lloyd's trash. Um, but And Michael Herz's garbage. Uh, I also did uh, subtitles for Make Your Own Damn Movie. Not just me. There was like 12 people typing, you know, words every few days and stuff like that. So I had worked on that. And um, What do they say? You put a, a million monkeys in a room and they'll type out Shakespeare, but you put 12 trauma interns in an office and they'll subtitle the Make Your Own Damn Movie box set? It's true. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, uh, you know, I used to sweep outside of the offices when they were in uh, New York City. And, stuff. and this was in the Hell's Kitchen offices, right? It was. I remember, uh, you know, it was funny because Michael Hurst, he's like such a, a brilliant producer, but, you know, he's, he's a very into himself and in his own mind kind of guy. I was taking out his garbage for like two weeks and I was waiting there early because I was so excited this you know what I mean? I was 19. I was like, yeah. a real film company. They're the longest running film company. And I guess he thought 
I was like a, a homeless kid or something like that. I, he was like, can I help you? I'm like, I, I've been taking out your garbage for two weeks. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. How you doing? Come on in. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> when I was looking through, it doesn't look like you've uh, really directed anything uh, that Troma's put out, except for an episode of uh, Mulligan's Monsters. You directed it's a short. True. It's true that uh, I had never had a movie released through Troma until Rob Mulligan asked me to direct a, a short film for his uh, episodic TV show called uh, Mulligan's Monsters. And uh, I just made like a batshit crazy short film where uh, my dog's wearing like a pink wig you know what I mean I had my girlfriend <laughs> and my stepdaughter all wearing these like weird wigs and she's like a leper all of a sudden and she loses like a hand it's like really weird it is weird <laughs> oh you saw it yeah le <laughs> leopard sea <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's called leopard sea <laughs> so I want to talk about your movies I went on the the crash course over the last last week of watching a bunch of your stuff but you have so many movies um out there so the few that i watched you know i watched bite school it wants blood the lich cool as hell and then the mark um again for the for the show and and they're you know they're a lot of fun and you can tell that you came up with the the trauma school of of making a movie under whatever means necessary, which I really appreciated. Can you tell me a little bit about like how, like your approach to making movies? Because uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're shooting at least at least three movies at the moment, uh, if not more. Seven. <laughs> so you're making yeah, I told seven you, movies. Seven. <laughs> seven, yeah. Seven movies at the same time. Like this week, I'm only filming for two. And then Bill and I are filming Bite School 2 in Las Vegas uh, at the end of the month. And then That's our crazy. newest movie, Alien Danger, is premiering at the Chinese Theater November 29th at the big room at the Chinese Theater. That's so awesome. It's, it's opening in between Dune and James Bond. Is How exciting I'm, is that? Isn't that awesome? <laughs> I know what one I would pay to go see. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dune, James Bond, Alien Danger. You know what I mean? <laughs> Raven Van Slender. What, what's it going to be? I bet only one of those movies is uh, not three hours long. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> and, that's my, and that's my sweet spot. <laughs> <laughs> so um, when you're when you're making a movie, um, are all the movies that you make, the ones I've watched, I've noticed that you cast yourself in the lead typically. Is that because of your, your crazy shooting schedules and you'll know you'll be there? Well, I had started out making films so I could start in movies you know what I mean I had I like I said I had been acting since I was eight and all I had ever wanted to do was be in horror movies so I learned how to make films so I could star in them but now I've, I've done it so many times I started working with with Bill and uh, people like uh, Seth Ramon to star in these other movies because I've done it over 30 times. You know what I mean? Like I could only star in so many movies. Like I, I don't mind being the comic relief or, 
You know what I mean? Like a Hitchcock kind of walk-on cameo. Yeah. Like I said, originally it had started because I had wanted to act. And you know what I mean? Now that uh, that I've made so many films and I've done every job there is, you know what I mean? From from fluffer to gaffer to, you know, you, you name it, I've, <laughs> I've done it. So uh, it's cool to work with Bill and have him be able to star in these things so I can take a step back and, you know, direct and, and really take over the three ring circus from another standpoint. <laughs> and it so, is a three ring circus when you think about it. I, I believe it. Bunnies and all, you know what I mean? <laughs> Well, when I met you, you were you didn't really have any downtime at the convention. Usually you'll see people hanging out and drinking um, when they're not, you know, at their table. But you guys were out there shooting for I think you're melting and maybe something else, uh-huh. um, which I thought was pretty, pretty clever and awesome. How do you guys like, you know, juggle you too, Bill? Like, do you, do you help James keep track of what movie he is shooting? Or like, hey, we need to get this. Or since we're here, let's shoot a scene for this movie. I've kind of noticed with with a lot of your stuff, it seems like, well, we, we have this opportunity today. So let's uh, go shoot that. How do you keep that straight in your shooting schedules? Drinking a lot of Coke. You just got to be <laughs> on your toes working Lots with of- James. Because <laughs> at any moment, the perfect scene comes up and James goes, let's go shoot this. Nice. And as you're walking, you're like, oh, shoot, what are we going to shoot? What's the scene going to be? What's the dialogue going to be? But somehow when when you get to that action, people know what they're going to do, and it just comes out right. James just has a has a magic about him that just says, oh, it, it'll come out. And he he can pull things from every person that he wants. So, it'll, so the shoot looks really good. That's awesome. And do you know, like... like, like Hold on. I just want to say thank you, Bill. That's... <laughs> lovely compliment that's the first time bill said that this is magical so thank you <laughs> i mean no like like you you'd laugh and joke but um shooting seven seven feature films at the same time like that is pretty magical i shot one feature film and i thought it was gonna kill me so <laughs> like, which, which i must say zach i loved and we are totally cut from the same cloth and we both <laughs> graduated from that trauma school because when I was watching your film, I was like, I, this is, you know, this is a brother of mine in film school. Like we are totally, you know what I mean? It, it's amazing. I, I get it. Yeah, no, when I was watching uh, It Once Blood, I was like, oh, I get it. I get it. Yeah, no, like, like we we know what's up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know, but, James make lets you play your character, so he lets you develop the character to where until he likes it. So he'll give you tips, little tricks, just to pull out what he wants. So it, it's kind of it's kind of cool. So you're really just focusing less about the lines and more about how the character develops in an improv style. How big are your scripts typically for? for one of your movies or is it a lot of improv I, i'm sorry how do you pronounce this word scrapes 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 i don't so the what's really interesting is that i make films similar you know what i mean to a, a trauma-esque way but in a different way because i had handled so many aspects like i i was shooting them i was you know what i mean had the whole concept and so when I went off to do these movies, I kind of didn't really have a script 
on a physical piece of paper, I'd write a treatment for somebody or if like a celebrity cameo wanted specific lines, I would write out dialogue for the day, but everybody else I'd kind of feed them a general gist of what to say because I was handling everything myself. You know gotcha. what I mean? So it was like, I'll, I'll figure out how to make it work. You just kind of say this. And that kind of became a way I made films because when I did write scripts in the beginning, I was working with actors that uh, either couldn't care less about a script and they were just like, we're making a movie, this is fun. You know what I mean? So I would just kind of have to tell them what to say anyway after I spent hours you know, formatting <laughs> a script. So I kind of cut out that middleman of the paperwork and was like, I have to feed them the lines anyway. Why am I gonna take the time to write it out? when I have to give them the dialogue anyway. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Like, I love Debbie Rashawn and, you know, we've done a lot of films together, but when we work together, she's a day player. You know what I mean? She shows up for a day. So she is an amazing improv actor. So she just tells me, okay, what am I saying? So like when she did Cool as Hell, I wrote this really funny dialogue for her and like these funny backstories, but she just was like, okay, just kind of tell me what I'm saying. You know what I mean? Yeah. After that kind of moment, I was like, why am I spending all this time to write witty dialogue if I just have to tell them what to say anyway? And that's kind of how that kind of came to be. Well, that's how how it worked with uh, It Wants Blood. I think James only wrote like one page for one scene for Amy Dumas and me. And that's the only one we memorized. All the other scenes were truly improv. I I could dig that with some of my movies I've you know it's it's just like I have an outline but that's basically so I don't forget to shoot something on set as as opposed to uh <laughs> you know on on Adam some of the actors definitely did not care about anything we wrote down and it's like oh cool you guys showed up drunk well I guess <laughs> we will we will just work with that <laughs> with uh it wants blood how much did you write for Eric Roberts? Because he fucking like put on a clinic in some of those scenes. Like, like you would expect for it being a low budget film and him having done as many things as he want, you know, has done like, Oh, he's going to phone it in, but he fucking put you guys to task, like in the chair. (laughs) I, I thought that was pretty rad. So a funny story about Eric Roberts. First of all, it Wants Blood was supposed to be a serious horror film when I set out to make it. You know what I mean? It was going to be kind of like an old 50s monster movie where the monster was kind of scary, but everybody plays it straight. You know what I mean? Like, it, it yeah. doesn't, you know what I mean? It's like a silly vagina mouth elephant with teeth <laughs> and a snake for a trunk, but everybody acts like it's terrifying. And so, uh, the second day I was filming with Eric Roberts, he just decided, you know, these witch doctors look kind of silly. If I play this straight through the whole movie, people are going to think it's hokey. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I, how can you argue with a guy that's done 7,000 movies? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, when I have a vision, I can't say that I'm easily swayed, but I am receptive to people that have walked a path longer than me you know what i mean like when i worked with tony todd in catch of the day 
I had a bit where he takes a sandwich out of my hand and he's like, give me that sandwich. And Tony said, it would be funnier if it was a banana. And how could I argue? You know what I mean? I didn't have my heart set on It would on be sandwich. funnier if it was a banana. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how he said it. Just like that. You can't argue with the candy man. You know what I mean? So yeah. Eric Roberts said that. You know what I mean? And then he started playing it hokey, like he's kissing his son's severed head and stuff like that. I just thought, yeah, okay, this is, you know what I mean? I, it's fun. You know what I mean? It's not exactly what I wanted, but then that changed my tone as an actor. And, you know, I think it definitely helped influence Bill's character. You know, he's got this giant monster head, like licking him like it's his pet dog. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, it's campy. You know what I mean? And so... I thought it it worked, but it definitely wasn't the film I set out to make. I wasn't thinking I was going to play a, an Asian Colonel Sanders. <laughs> <laughs> the costume would uh, would uh, come across that way. <laughs> and was that movie uh, inspired at all by uh, Cue the Winged Serpent? I, I yes, mean, I get... Zach, I you're a great guy. I love that you understand these things. You know what I mean? It's a it's a rare breed that <laughs> makes a certain kind of movies and understands these cults. I love Larry Cohen films, and that's oh, yeah. exactly what I wanted to do was Q. And I'm glad you said that. So one thing I I was curious about your films in particular, you have a crazy amount of nudity in your movies like all of like all the movies i've seen seen from you um you have a crazy amount of nudity how uh how do you get the actors and actresses to to do that like in our movies um you know they were all friends but um were they different did you have to pay them or how much do you did you go about uh getting the actors to be nude in your films uh well like you said i i've been you know filming nudity since my first feature hack job uh funny story uh when i interned for trauma debbie rashan did her scene for the mark uh in a robe that i had made at a college sewing class <laughs> and was wearing nothing else but this robe and was very eager to take it off and i was like oh no no, no. this is like a this is like a real movie you know what I mean? You don't have to get naked. And I remember the guy that worked at Troma that was shooting the scene for me, like <laughs> looking at me like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> Debbie Rashawn wants to get naked and you were dumb. And I was like, no, no, this is a, this is a movie. You don't, you don't have to do that. And then after that, Lloyd Kaufman kind of like beat me over the head with a newspaper and was like, James, if you ever want to sell this movie, you need nudity in your films. You know what I mean? He's like, I'll give you a number of a guy that'll get you a bunch of girls that'll get naked for free just because they want to be in a movie. And I thought, oh, and that kind of warped my fragile little, you know, mind <laughs> where I was like, oh, and then that was like, you know, smoking a joint for the first time. I was like, dan, 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 dan. and then I'm basically like free basing meth, getting all these girls to get naked. Cause I'm like, Oh, Lloyd Kaufman said that's the only way to sell a movie. And he was right. He is absolutely right. He is absolutely right. So now I make classy art pictures with lots of uh, it, nudity. It's like the Brown bunny meets Larry Cohen. Yeah. <laughs> 
I appreciate that. So, uh, I, you know, I like, I like a lot of seventies, eighties films and they have full frontal nudity. So that's kind of why I put that in a lot of my films because from doing the convention circuit, you know, there's a certain type of guys that buy these types of movies. Anyway, they don't want pornography, but they want to see like gore and monsters and naked people so that's kind of you know that's what i like you know what yeah I mean? so same I here <laughs> i just kind of made the films that i like but when i met up with bill uh we made our first kids movie so I, after what's know, the title of that one that's alien danger with oh Ray awesome Peter. it's a kids movie. there's no nudity no nudity no nudity but there's still lots of monsters and celebrity cameos like tommy chong and rob halford from judas priest and good-looking women. Yeah. <laughs> you brought up Rob Halford, and that's something else I wanted to touch on in your movies, is you also have, like, starting back in your first one, when you have Odorous show up, you have a lot of band cameos, but you also, like, have, like, every every movie I've seen so far, you have, like, a killer soundtrack. Um, like, you either have good title songs or just some, like, metal bands that have given you, like, good soundtracks. And as a metalhead, I appreciate the soundtracks that you you have on there so how does how how do you go about licensing those songs or do they have you a lot of the times found by casting them in your movies that they'll give you the rights to those your music the the latter you know what i mean um but it all depends you know what i mean i've i've done everything from from making so many movies i've done everything from you know reaching out to the label and then reaching out to the artist and paying for the rights or the artist just giving me the rights so it really it really depends on the artist you know what i mean and um the toy dolls just did the theme song for alien danger you know what i mean so that was really cool so and and we're trying to bring them out to play the chinese theater so we got the go from the chinese theater but we're just waiting on the uh, the visas and stuff because they're coming from you know the uk and whatnot Another weird crossover. So I noticed in Bite School, you had the ska band, the AOKs, um, give you a song, and I directed their first music video. Oh, get out of here. That <laughs> yeah. is wow. That's <laughs> so, a cool crossover. <laughs> so more ways than one. But yeah, no, like, like I appreciate the soundtracks in in your movie a lot of times, you know, with, with our budget of movies, you will find that it's a, not you don't get a lot of uh, bigger name bands in there. And that's something that definitely surprised me with, with your films. Oh, I, I appreciate that. Well, you know, what's kind of cool is that, you know, artists want to be featured, right? Like I think about it as the, uh, uh, the misfits theory, right? Misfits write songs about horror movies. So if you would think bands, that are inspired by the misfits would want to be in horror movies so they can in turn you know inspire other people and the cycle kind of continues yeah <laughs> like there's a band from uh from chile or something like that that wrote a song about the lich and like stole clips of the movie for their music video of the <laughs> lich that's awesome yeah i thought that was really like i wasn't even mad about it i was like this is amazing this and i put amazing. it on the dvd <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> that's so cool yeah, yeah like, 
El Lynch. I'm like, what? How is the internet's amazing? <laughs> like, how did you even see this? <laughs> cool. And then you guys, you were saying you have Alien Danger 2 uh, premiering in, in like a month at oh, the Chinese. Or the first Alien Danger. Yeah, Alien Danger. But yeah, we've also shot the sequel already. So we're ready to jump right into that one. And nice. that has Doug Bradley in it. <laughs> the, in, the, in the first one or the sequel? The sequel. Or both? Yeah. The sequel. He's in the sequel along with uh, Sergeant Slaughter. That's awesome. <laughs> I just I, love the fact that we got wrestlers in there too. That is so cool. Yeah, you had... Didn't you have Jake the Snake in one of your movies? And uh-huh. Yeah, like it's it's crazy like even just watching the opening credits of your movies and you'll see the and featuring it's like holy shit it's like a laundry list of of just like awesome people that just show up (laughs) and you don't know where they're gonna be either so it's like a where's waldo when watching (laughs) well um if there if there's anything else you wanted to add about your time at Tromaville. Otherwise, I think we should probably start digging into Night Beast. Yeah, no, I Night Beast. think that's uh, the... covered the trauma gamut. You know, it's cool. Uh, Lloyd Kaufman is wearing a hack job t-shirt at the new Return to Newcomb High DVD extra features on their DVD. So I thought I... that was cool. <laughs> you know what? I, f- I, I feel like I've seen him wear the hack job shirt around, so that's pretty... That's he used awesome. to wear it all the time, and every time I'd see him, he'd be like, "James, you got to get me a new hack job T-shirt. I've worn this thing out." You know what I mean? Like he, he <laughs> loved that T-shirt. <laughs> when I tried to give him an Adam shirt, he was like, "I have plenty of shirts. You should sell that one." <laughs> <laughs> so that's awesome. <laughs> but all right, well, yeah, let's get into the 1982 classic from Don Dohler, Night Beast. galaxy from another world comes the embodiment of fear what the hell was that night beast terror from beyond a high-tech warrior from a distant planet a killing machine with a taste for human flesh. A community abandoned in a code of silence. Wicker never even called the state. They don't even know we have a bad situation here. A love affair. You know, you're a very attractive girl, Lisa. Two people brought together by the urgency of the moment. Two people torn apart by the savage fury of Night Beast. I'm sorry, Jamie. There was nothing that could be done. The most vicious creature to ever span the intergalactic void has come to pay its respects. This is the story of how the little people answer the big questions. 
the movie that will change the face of modern science fiction cinema. Night Beast, terror from beyond. This is what Lloyd Kaufman has to say about Night Beast in his book, All I Need to Know About Filmmaking I Learned from the Toxic Avenger. Just like E.T., only if E.T. ate little Elliot and sucked. Really, really sucked. Not to be confused with late night, the late night vegetarian movie Night Beat, or the famous feminist horror film Night Bitch, or the famous biographical film about Hee Haw's Buck Owens, Night Buck, or the famous movie about hicks who have spinning contests every midnight, Night Bile, or the Shut the Fuck Up! It says that in the book. Yes. Yeah. So I'm wearing my Night Beast t-shirt right now. You can't see it, but hear how sweet it sounds. Dude, that Night Beast shirt is awesome. It's, you know, it, it's neon colored and it's it's just as fun as the movie. When was the first time that uh, that either of you watched Night Beast? Uh, I actually got it from Troma when I was interning there. So I guess I was 19 the first time I saw Night Beast. <laughs> awesome. And I'm a newbie to it, so I just watched it like last week. <laughs> well, Twice. No, no better time to get introduced to it. I first heard about it at uh, the Troma Dance where I stole your DVD. Um, they they were showing the documentary Blood, Boobs, and Beast, um, which is uh, Troma put it out. It's a documentary about Don Dohler's life, but they you know they talk about Night Beast in there, and then before that. Uh, people on the trauma message boards were were always saying it was one of their favorite trauma movies but i just never had had watched it um until i saw that documentary and then i was like i need to track this thing down and it definitely uh definitely has the reputation it deserves it's a fun sci-fi rubber monster backyard movie it like ticks all of my low budget filmmaking boxes and the fact that it's also shot in baltimore like at the same time (laughs) like john waters is filming stuff one thing i always like to do too is to see like if any if there's any like uh weird crossovers uh into trauma traumaville from that movie and it seemed like a whole bunch of the crew the associate producer uh tony malinowski he directed curse of the cannibal confederates the same year and a whole bunch of the cast and crew also worked on curse of the cannibal confederates which is if you guys haven't seen that one it's like uh 2000 maniacs but not very good (laughs) (laughs) i have seen it so yeah you're right (laughs) and then um one of the makeup effects people, Amoto Giordano, he did the makeup effects for Splatter University. And uh, one of the guys who did uh, graphic animation, um, he Ernest Farino, he uh, wrote Wizards of the Demon Sword and he did graphics for the Puppetoon movie. So. Oh, cool. And how could you forget J.J. Abrams worked on Night Beast? That's insane so jj abrams is 15 years old in in baltimore and i guess so at the time in don dollars like when before he was making movies he was writing like magazines on filmmaking and jj abrams which i have i have all of those cinema oh really yeah yeah they tell you how to make cable puppets i have all of them they're incredible 
they look cool i i've never read them but they show what a little bit of them in the documentary blood boobs and beasts and i guess jj abrams was was writing for it but then don dollar's like yeah we we i stopped making the magazine before he published any of his articles which now it's like you should probably like the the state of don dollar should try to find those articles and publish them because that's probably the most money they're sitting on (laughs) have you seen any of don doler's other work because i have not but i've seen trailers for a bunch of his stuff alien factor that's a fun one and then um i've seen the poster for the fiend around Mm -hmm. quite a bit i think massacre video put that out so i'm like familiar with the box art of that one but uh and you know, Bill and I love John Dodds's work. Also, he did the Spookies. I love spookies. the Spookies. He <laughs> just holds up so well. I mean, all these films hold up so well. If you haven't seen seen at, at least from Night Beast, but like a Don Dolar movie, it's you're you're not going into it uh, getting like a Star Wars, but you're probably getting the movie that played too deep after Star Wars, <laughs> which, and it kind of seems like this was, uh, you know, a, a response video to Star Wars because they, they, they were like, we need more sci-fi to fill the time slots. I actually think that's where Alien Factor came from was, uh, was they were trying to fill up cable TV time time slots but but it's just a fun rubber monster blasting people <laughs> oh yeah it's i mean and the gore is so good yeah it, it's, it's like so good and gut rips and george stover who happens to be in bill and i's new movie you're melting george stover was like the the actor in night beast like most of the other actors in there just kind of did other don Dolers stuff but George Stover, like, he actually acted in quite a bit of, you know, all of Don's movies and then a good chunk of John Waters' movies and and now your guys' film. But he always, yeah. like, he's always working, which is... Oh, yeah. He, George is cool. He's in a ton of stuff. So so I when they were shooting, I guess originally they were shooting a sequel for Alien Factor, Alien Factor 2, mm-hmm. and uh, it didn't work out. So uh, they they already had the monster so they just uh remade it in, into night beast <laughs> so so that's uh and then and they were when they were looking to shop the movie around um they were shopping fiend around and they showed it to trauma and much like much like the story you told told earlier lloyd told don doler that they need more blood and nudity otherwise they'll never be able to sell this movie mm-hmm. so which and fiend was right before night beast which uh definitely has that blood and gore and and the boobs in there so well um yeah let's let's kind of dig into the plot on this thing um so so the movie it starts out with a miniature spaceship flying overhead and it's like totally made of cardboard and it crash lands on earth which is like in shot in don doler's backyard uh-huh at least fun yeah and i think didn't i and maybe i'm wrong but i think one of the effects guys uh did the effects for deadly spawn or worked yeah, on deadly John does. yeah he did deadly spawn spookies and night beast they that synapse blu-ray of deadly spawn needs to come out one of these days i'm waiting 
that's another amazing film. I, I have many Deadly Spawn t-shirts. I do enjoy <laughs> that movie. That <laughs> I didn't pick it, but now I'm thinking about it. That would have been a good double with, uh, oh, with this yeah, one. That would have been cool. I, I was lucky. I saw I got to see Deadly Spawn on the big screen, like a, a 35 print of it. It was rad. Oh, get out of here. That's awesome. I love that movie. Yeah. But anyway, so um, the spaceship crash lands on Earth, and then they have a pretty big explosion to be shot in your own backyard of this thing, of this spaceship blowing up. And then, um, and as you said, like Don Dohler and our J.J. Abrams did the music for this, and you could tell right away, like the music is pretty special in this movie. Like it's a lot better than it probably should be. I actually have an audio clip I want to play real quick um, with Don Dollar and JJ Abrams talking about working together and making the music. JJ uh, Abrams uh, was a fan of my magazine. I think at this point I had sold Cinemagic to Starlaw, but I started another similar magazine called Amazing Cinema. And he was working on some articles for me. And I can't remember how it came up, but uh, I guess when he found out I was going to do this Night Beast, and uh, he offered his services, and he was offered to do music. So we had um, one of our agents out there who were, he, he was doing the domestic distribution on the film. We had already signed a pre-deal with him. Uh, he, he owned a stock music company in Hollywood. So he told us we could whatever they had we could use for free so he had sent some music or i had gotten in touch with his people and they i picked some stuff out but it wasn't enough i needed some supplemental stuff so i called jj and you know and he he jumped right in and did this supplemental music which is used extensively throughout the movie um most of the chase music not all of it but a lot of it is, is stuff he did and he did the love scene music which is kind of funny when I think about it because J.J. was like 15 at the time. <laughs> and my son, who was, uh, how old was Greg at the time? About 13, 14, doing the, the sound recording in that scene. So I had like these two underage kids who contributed heavily to that, you know, that naked love scene. <laughs> They'd probably lock me up if I did something like that nowadays, wouldn't they? To be totally honest, I don't remember how exactly the uh, the thing came about, but I was, you know, I always made uh, made music, and I I was, I think, fifteen, and I knew he was doing his next movie, and I might have just written him some ridiculous letter saying, you know, I, I do music, and if you, you know, I don't know, and then I think he wrote me back saying, you know, sure, I can actually look and see if I have the letters, but basically it was this, uh, it was this crazy thing where suddenly. He was sending me these tapes of uh, of his movie he was making, and I was recording cues for them. So I would send, you know, and I didn't have time code or anything. And, and at the time, we had a, a three quarter inch video deck at home, for some reason. And and it was before you know VHS was a sort of a standard, or existed at all maybe. Anyway, he'd sent me these. He would send me these tapes, and so I'd watch these tapes, and I'd sort of time out like using a watch, sort of how long these sequences were, and sort of where things would occur, and I'd go and I'd record a cue on a four track and then send it back to him and he'd call me or write me a note saying that, yeah, that's great can you do one where it's a little with his more you know I, I, to be honest with you I don't remember you know exactly 
how bad my music was, but I'm sure I made a few scenes so much worse than they should have been. I mean, I described the scene on the phone. I didn't even have stuff edited, and then he'd come come up with this piece of music, and it was like just what I was looking for. You know, it's great. I knew JJ was talented. I mean, this he just had a flair for this stuff. You know, yeah. any the articles he was doing for me. Unfortunately, right after that's when I ended the magazine. His stuff never got in. <laughs> But even that was just so well done for a kid that young, you know. Um, I was in New York and I was with my grandfather, and I was, I was 16, and um, the movie was coming out uh, that year. It was on on video, and I remember I hadn't seen it, but I called. We were in New York, we were in Farmingdale, New York, and I called, and there was a, a video store that had a copy, and I said, "Can I buy it from you?" Because it was like a rental. They said, "You know, I guess VHS wasn't around because they were renting the thing." Um, we're so old. Uh, anyway, and I called and I said, could I, could, I, uh, could I buy the video? And they were like, yeah, all right. You know. So I remember my grandfather drove me to the store and I went and bought it. And I had this copy of this thing that was like, I was just so blown away that like the movie actually had come out. Because it was like, you know, even though it was just on video, still it was that thing of like, I was 16 years old and I got to be part of something that was actually, you know, there was a box and there was a little image and it was like, it was a real movie. And so... Uh, it was. It wasn't as important, you know. It, it was important in this way. It, it felt like I actually got to do something that was in a genre that I love, that was far more legitimate than the student films I'd done before. So to me, it was more like a confidence kind of thing. Where it was like, hell, I just, you know, I got to be a part of this thing that was, you know, something that, you know, I, I would have wanted to see anyway. But after, after, you know, uh, the ship explodes. Um, or right before we see Night Beast emerge, and it's a pretty cool shot. He's like silhouetted in smoke, and you just see like the outline shining off of this rubber mask, and he kind of looks a little bit like Rawhead Rex, <laughs> and uh, little silver, less... out, silver suit too. Yeah, and I guess that silver suit um, is uh, like one of the lead actor's motorcycle suits. <laughs> and they just let him let Don borrow it. And then like, like decades later, he's like, oh, maybe you want this back. And it was all crusty and in a box. And I'm sure you guys can can relate. I know I can. I have definitely old props and costumes that I found in boxes like, oh, this is covered in blood from <laughs> years ago. I should probably just throw this away. And then but then I'll just get another actor to wear it because another, another one. <laughs> But uh, and then we see the sheriff who has probably one of the best hairstyles in in the film. And <laughs> yeah, just like a big gray afro. And I don't know if that's a wig or if they dyed his hair or what's going on with that. <laughs> um, and and Night Beast, you know, chases everyone around and you see him vaporize, just vaporize people. And they have him like on they push him around on a dolly. <laughs> to uh, just make it look like he's running because apparently there's very poor visibility in the mask and the the actor who was in the Night Beast costume was uh, pretty claustrophobic. I have a clip uh, where one of the actors, Jamie Zemerell, talks about the actor uh, being claustrophobic. Chris Gummer, who was the monster in the monster suit a few times, was claustrophobic. And uh, Chris would uh, ask me to talk to him and uh you know say you know be there and, and touch him so that he knew where because he, he, he said the uh, the mask had 
very tunnel vision eyes and it was making him feel very very suffocated and he was he was getting ready to rip it off and, and we had him taped into it. Uh, the uh, the suit by the way the the spacesuit uh, that actually was my motorcycle rain suit that I donated for them to uh, use as the as the the monster's spacesuit and everything. I finally got it back years later uh, from Don, uh, who had stuffed it down in a box somewhere and everything. And when I got it back, it was it was all stuck together from the heat and everything. I kind of went, oh well, thanks anyway. So I mean, when he, when people get killed, I'm like, wow, look at the effects of how they're disintegrating. That's so cool. Like, I I've I've shot some Super Eight, but I've never shot. Was I don't know. What do you think? Was this sixteen or thirty-five? I think it's sixteen. Have you ever shot anything on sixteen? I have actually black and white reversal sixteen. So uh, film school. Did you ever? Did you ever do any opticals like this, where they have like the animations? Uh, I I drew on the film in a editing software so i drew on it they converted it to a mini dv so we shot it film and then they took it to a post house and they gave us little mini dvs and then gotcha. i edited from the mini dvd mini dv tape because so. i always wonder like how expensive it is to do like like uh just these anim when these people get vaporized they like turn into bright red and then sparkles and then uh, disappear and you know it's obviously the trick where it's like all right stand there all right we're gonna keep the camera rolling now you run out really fast uh-huh. all right and then they but they add the animation in but for a for a pretty low budget film i can't imagine that was cheap especially for how many lasers and people just in the first like five minutes alone that just get blasted away oh yeah and then they just have a crazy gunfight right at the beginning of the movie and uh, apparently it, all the sound effects is just Don Dohler close up to a microphone going pow, pow. <laughs> <laughs> and then with like an echo effect. <laughs> <That's> amazing. <laughs> and then and then we get our first taste of gore in the movie when uh, Night Beast uh, runs out and uh, rips out uh, the guy's guts. And it's the blood in it is uh, like, what do you think of the blood blood in this movie? It's it's fun, you know what I mean. I, I think all the gore is great. I love that severed head. That's like one of my favorite decapitations. Yes, <laughs> the severed head is, and even like the guts, like right in this scene, like they look pretty good. I the blood is it reminds me a little bit of like the Dawn of the Dead era, where it's where it's still uh, just a little like uh, hyper realistic, but yeah, like uh, ragu. Like yeah, it looks very shiny. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> we just see like basically everybody in the town is is just like freaking out from night beast and we get we get like the cops are like we need to evacuate the town and so they go talk to the mayor and and they're like i don't know if we have another idea for this movie so let's just remake jaws but with <laughs> but yeah. with a but with a you know night beast and they're like but instead it's like the the mayor's throwing like this pool party but it's yeah. like his backyard and i guess it was also like like so in one shot you'll see the trees of night beast running running past in don Dollar's backyard and then the reversal of that shot is the back of his house in the swimming pool so so he got full use out of filming his uh, backyard they have like a big pool party scene oh yeah i know what that's like <laughs> 
<laughs> at least the pool. At least the pool was clean. Yeah, uh, nice and blue. <laughs> if if his kids did the chores that day, <laughs> he's like, "Do clean the house. I'll let you do the audio for the sex game." Yeah. If 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 you keep your grades up, you can do the hold the boom mic during the during the sex scene. <laughs> what? Okay, all A's. <laughs> I've never seen a kid work that hard at school before. <laughs> so they uh. Yeah, they, they have like this pool party in the backyard, which is pretty comical because it's it's like, oh man, the governor's coming to like this ball, tiny Baltimore town who's like, where is everybody? And there's like 10 people just hanging out like this dude's backyard, which I imagine in their minds when they wrote it, it was supposed to, you know, be like the Playboy Mansion type pool yeah. party, but it just totally looks like it's in some townies back backyard. <laughs> like, like it's just like a barbecue with friends and not like the probably not, not as glamorous. Where, yeah, not as glamorous as they were picturing. So it's pretty funny that they're like, we're not going to evacuate the town because we need to have this pool party. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and one of the cops, she, uh, she, uh, she is, uh, I guess, Don Dollar's aunt's hairdresser, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so, so she's, she doesn't really have any acting experience before this, but she, she definitely does a pretty good job in the movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and then for whatever reason, they have a subplot about uh, this biker guy named drago oh drago love drago <laughs> <laughs> he, he like like it's like all right we know the bad guy it's night beast and, and then i guess this biker drago <laughs> who uh who uh rapes his uh girlfriend and beats her up because i i think they're like we need a, another way to get nudity in this movie uh -huh. so and so he uh he like i don't know it's very 80s like intro of a bad guy he'll rev up on the motorcycle it's like what are you douchebags doing but he's like some chunky dude on a motorcycle <laughs> he kind of looks like like an accountant by day but with a leather jacket <laughs> 80s bad guys are the most famous characters in cinema history yeah <laughs> And so and so he sees like the cops pulling up after he like rapes his girlfriend. So he like hops on his motorcycle. He's like, I gotta get out of here. And he just goes up the hill, like an eye shot of the house. And the cops pull up and they're like, She's fine. She's packing a bag. And they leave and they cut back. And she's just like butt naked crying. It's yeah. like, and then and then he just revs up on his motorcycle and pulls back up. He was just like, like in 10 feet from the house. <laughs> And and then that's the last time you see her because because they they wrote her out of the script after that. <laughs> after that scene they're like she's dead Drago strangled him to death and they're like God damn it but wasn't there like a relationship between her and the guy in the blue yeah one the, of the deputies yeah the dirt bike cop because yeah. they need another guy in a motorcycle and apparently uh, when I was watching some of the interviews he wasn't really allowed to drive around on the dirt bike is so they had like the owner of the dirt bike and all the wide shots <laughs> and he was like he's like i totally could have could have done all that dirt bike stuff but uh he didn't want me to wreck his bike <laughs> <laughs> so funny yeah so uh we also have two doctors one of which is the george stover and they do autopsies and 
I, I assume they live in the top of their house and they do autopsies in the basement. Oh yeah. For for whatever reason, it's just you know every every small town I guess their their autopsy thing is also their their house. <laughs> um, and uh, and they uh, night beast shows up at their house and they they have this scene in there which kind of reminded me of uh, of thriller they call her one eye when they're oh, going to try movie. to stop yeah <laughs> that movie's rad and it, it just reminded me of that because it it shows kind of the like the thought behind Don Doler like he's not just trying to shoot out a movie as quick as he can because this is in slow-mo which right. you know on film like you had to intentionally do that and they're they yeah. they're fraying electrical wires and throwing water yeah. on the floor to trick night beast into walking in it but it's all in slow-mo so it's uh <laughs> it's pretty cool uh to see that shot and and uh night beast gets shocked and they have you know strobe effects and and then uh drago shows up again because the cops show up and they're like night beast took off and uh Drago and the dirt bike cop they they get in a fight and uh the sheriff the sheriff he gets hurt so he goes back to Lisa the lady cop's house to get his leg looked at in uh, yeah. one of the most erotic scenes ever committed to film lots <laughs> of uh shoulder kissing which uh, <laughs> I always I gotta get that. out of these dirty clothing <laughs> yeah, he, he has like a cut on his leg and she's like well i think i'm gonna go take a shower he's like perhaps i better leave she's like perhaps you better stay he's like okay <laughs> <laughs> and one of the things i like about this sex scene is it goes on just a little bit too long which is always one of my favorite things in low budget movies when you're like all right i get it and it's not necessarily like a sexy scene, but it's like, well, we have all the footage, so we're gonna use, <laughs> use it, it all. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I actually have a clip of uh, Don and George Stover talking about the nudity in the movie that I want to play. Yeah, well, we had the one nude scene, which was the Oriental woman taking her clothes off briefly, and we were gonna do this little scene where the sheriff and his deputy kind of get it on a little quiet moment of repose in the middle of the movie when they're running from the monster <laughs> stop and have make some whoopee you know there's a monster running around and killing everybody in town but let's stop and <laughs> have some fun he grew up in an era where um nude scenes were far and few between and uh the same with gore so he just wasn't used to it, and I guess he didn't like it. He, maybe he, maybe it wasn't just because he wasn't used to it. I guess he just didn't like it. So, And it wasn't supposed to be a nude scene, but Tommy Griffith was an investor in the movie, and he came to me and says, I really think we ought to do this. There's another nude scene. I think we ought to get another one in there. And I'm like, what? Well, and the actress playing the part was my aunt's hairdresser, and she was a lousy actress. Sorry, Karen. But she wasn't an actress. She, she had no experience whatsoever. Um, so I'm like, I can't ask my aunt's hairdresser to do a nude scene. That wasn't part of it. He said, well, I'll talk to her. I said, all right, fine. If you get her to agree to do it, I'll do it. Damn if he didn't. 
So it shocked the hell out of me. I thought, there's no way she's going to agree to do this. But she did. That was his idea. It's always somebody else's idea. <laughs> and I guess he just didn't want his movies to have that kind of stuff because, you know, um, West Side Story and Forbidden Planet didn't have uh, nudity, nudity or excessive gore other than maybe a, a knife wound or something. So then we cut back to the mayor and his girlfriend who, um, do, you, do you guys watch a lot of John Waters movies? Uh-huh. Um, well, if she she reminds me of like one of like John Waters like regulars, uh, Mary Vivian Pierce, just a really ditzy uh-huh. blonde, but with the super thick Baltimore accent. Right. And they're and she looks like they could be sisters, and they're just getting like drunk, but it's like 1920s like acting drunk. It's like hello there, <laughs> and swaggering all over the place. Um, <laughs> So they're they're getting drunk, and then Night Beast shows up, of course, and uh, he uh, he uh, takes off uh, the mayor's head, and and it's sweet. Like his eyes are are like bulging out, and he's just ripping his head off. Like it's a a pretty solid effect. Oh, it's great head. Yeah, <laughs> and then and then the girlfriend gets killed, and then the the cops realize that that they that night beast was here because they found the head. <laughs> right, and the mayor had that Hugh Hefner look to him. Yeah, literally. <laughs> so so they all come up with a plan. They're like, we know how we need to kill night beast, and uh, we need to electrocute him. And then somehow they. Uh, they get an electrical coil from a power plant. They don't show like how these cops acquire it, but it looks like they stole it off of something and they pull it out of a trunk and uh, they set up a perimeter with an electric fence and Drago shows up and tries to rape Lisa, the lady cop. And uh, he just gets blasted in the chest (laughs) with a shotgun, which is uh, also like, I'm sure, you know, like doing low budget squibs is not easy especially to make him look good. That one was, uh, I thought was pretty impressive. And then they, uh, Night Beast, like you, you're like, all right, well, Night Beast is here. He's going to get shocked. But he ends up killing George, George Stover. He just cracks his neck. And then there's like, for whatever reason, so like you're introduced to everybody who's in the movie at this point, except for in this scene, there's just some random guy who's like firing at Night Beast. And he's not in the rest of the movie. Like I watched it a a couple times because I was like, wait a minute, where did this dude come from? And he's not one of the campers at the beginning. He's just in this last scene to fire at Night Beast and he doesn't even die. <laughs> he's just he's just there uh for whatever reason. And uh Night Beast swipes at him, but but uh and then everybody's pulls out their revolvers and then shoots him a million times and they never reload. Um, the fence starts to fall down. So the dirt bike cop holds it up and electrocutes him in night beast. And that's the last we see, see of him. <laughs> so night beast never gets hit with the bullets. No, they, they were like, yeah, earlier in the movie, they're like bullets don't seem to have any effect on him, which I, you know, I don't quite understand, but <laughs> I guess they don't. <laughs> I guess they I just, don't. I'm just assuming they're all just terrible shots. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so like, what what did you what did you think, Bill, watching Night Beast for the first time? Oh, the effects were amazing. I mean, 
the gore with the, the guts coming out, the blood pouring out. I mean, the timing of how the monster would come out uh, in the scenes. It was really, really good. It was scary. Uh, it's yeah, it's like a pretty simple movie. It's not like there's a lot going on, but like plot wise, but it's like every scene, there's something fun to to watch in it. It's not like is it uh, there's nothing that drags in there. Yeah. I mean, I like the scene with the with the father and son. So where the son gets killed, but the dad shoots the gun away from his hand. Yeah. I'm like, oh, why didn't you take the second shot and shoot him in the head? That are they like, yeah, that seems pretty funny because they're like, they're like, first we need to get the gun away from him, and then we try to kill him. It's like, yeah. well, if you just try to kill him, then you got the gun. Yeah. <laughs> so so it doesn't really yeah, but they they yeah they shoot the gun away and it's like ah night beast got away again <laughs> curses night beast and then they just play the song looking for some night beast <laughs> for some night beast baby <laughs> so you uh, obviously you bought a night beast shirt so you love you love the movie I um, do. what what made you wanna wanna pick this one because when I was asking you to come on the show i was like uh what's a movie you'd want to talk about and this like there was not even a beat you're like night beast well you said trauma and that's probably one of my favorite trauma films that lloyd kaufman you know acquired that he didn't Mm -hmm. actually work on i'd be interested to know what lloyd actually thinks of this movie um because in his book he uh he says that it sucks but james gunn also (laughs) wrote his book so it's like, well, maybe James Gunn thought it sucks. Um, and then in the DVD intro uh, for it, it's the generic Debbie Rashawn, uh, Lloyd Kaufman dubbed over DVD yeah. intro. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's like eating the soup. It's like, and that's what makes this movie a masterpiece. <laughs> yeah. And so, and then it's like, okay, well, he's in the Blood, Boobs, and Beast documentary. And so you see, see him there and he's like oh yeah we're gonna talk to don doler but i i guess he's not gonna be here today and that was like lloyd's whole scene in there so i'd be curious to know what he thinks about it or if he even realizes it has as big of a cult following as it does like vinegar syndrome just put out an awesome blu-ray that like looks fantastic yeah this movie I, i i love night beast i can't say enough good things about it you know it's just such a fun creature design it's uh it's that lip yeah and all, all the fangs like yeah. there's no shortage of teeth in night beast yep. more teeth it was one of those like i'm glad i finally get to talk about it i was surprised when i was doing the first half of the show when i was asking people what trauma movie they wanted to talk about that no one jumped on night beast right away it's like oh but it's fucking night beast but (laughs) i think we should go into the double feature part of the show so it's a double feature day at the chinese theater maybe triple feature they just showed uh alien danger and night beast and now they're gonna show another double feature what are you picking for your double feature extra extra tony's father has been away a long time Now, he's coming home. Extro has returned. 
Once a man, he is now something more than human. Indestructible, ever-changing, evil. His mission, to avenge, to possess, to destroy. Why did you come back? I came back for you. Oh, my God. powers of black magic from deep space. If you think hard about something, you can make it happen. Use it when you need it. Extraterrestrials aren't friendly. From New Line Cinema, rated R. Yeah, that movie is ridiculous. It's insane. I watched it not too long ago for the the first time, and just seeing the trailer, it's like it has kind of that low budget air of um, of Night Beast, and you have the space stuff. But that movie is ridiculous uh 1982 so the same year as night beast uh by directed by harry bromley davenport and uh shot a classy ass name huh harry yeah you would never guess it harry bromley davenport is shooting extra which uh the one extra extra read all about it (laughs) the one thing that surprised me about extra uh, the first time I saw it was I thought there was going to be like the monster on the box is pretty infamous. I yeah. feel like like but you know who's not on the box is the midget clam that's in most of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. And then there's like so basically the idea with Extro is a, a guy gets abducted by aliens and then he shows up later um and his kid is traumatized because he sees his dad getting abducted and but it's three years later and he shows back up and he's like oh i want to be part of my kid's life again but how he shows back up is pretty nuts it's like a takashi Miike scene he's birthed this lady births a full-sized human being (laughs) did that freak me out (laughs) (laughs) it it's just so nuts. <laughs> it's like, oh, they're just going for it. Yeah. And the effect is pretty good, too. It's like, it reminded me of Gozu when the lady birthed, like, the the bull man. If you that, haven't seen... That movie's insane. I still think of that fake puppy dog that gets whacked so terrible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then, like... And then, like, the dad has, like, this connection with his son uh, that he, you know, he's like, you have these powers where you can make things if you happen that you really think about. So it, like, kind of turns into, like, a weird kid's fantasy of 
circus clowns and yeah, like his soldiers. Yeah, like yeah. he has his action figure soldiers come to life to kill the downstairs neighbor because she's kind of a bitch. <laughs> like, stop making all those crazy circus noises upstairs. Oh, yeah. I love the way that movie progresses because it's just crazy. And then you're like, wait, what's happening now? It just keeps yeah. getting weirder and weirder. That's it's, it's so many ways to become an alien. You could get bit, you can be birthed. <laughs> You're just bizarre. Your father could just start sensually sucking on your shoulder blade. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like what and they start playing looking for some night beast. Yeah. Like ooh, shoulder action. It's like what is happening? You can I birth those little eggs in, in, in the bathtub. And then have your midget clown take the eggs and put them yeah. in your he knocks over your fridge like a dick and he throws the eggs yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just you know for safekeeping and then wraps you up in a spider web because he's a midget clown and that's that's what they do but they there's do. also aliens <laughs> it's uh yeah no it, i want to see this movie in the theater with a crowd because... i have it's incredible Oh, I have seen a 35 print of it uh, in theaters. It's amazing to watch with an audience. Because, like, this, it's just so nuts. Like, I like I watched it with a group of friends, and just, like, our reactions, like, the three of us, and it's like, oh, my gosh. Like, you'd see this in a packed house would be so much fun. Yeah. The, the only thing that would make it better is if, Peter Bark from Burial Ground was the little person. <laughs> Mama, aliens. <laughs> we, uh, I talk about Burial Ground in the episode right before, and uh, I, I, I always think that, that he looks like Rachel Dratch. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> Mama. <laughs> in the... It, just get the dad sucking on the kid's shoulder and the kid sucking on mama's boob. A <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> mama looking for some night beast. <laughs> That's awesome. But yeah, no, if if you haven't seen Extro out there, you need to because it yeah. is awesome. <laughs> also, Extro 2. I haven't seen any. I, I know there's, there's a two there's and a three. A three. I haven't seen the sequels. So two is great. I haven't seen three. But part of the reason uh, why Hanukkah, the film I produced, uh, Evan McGar's film Hanukkah, the first Jewish slasher film, Sid Haig's last film, Dick Miller's last film, we gave to Bob's Your Uncle as a distributor was so we could do an extra film because they have the rights. So that was reason that we had gone with them originally and i i'm excited to to see hanukkah like that i've seen like posters and like kind of concept stuff early on from that movie it looks awesome yeah it's really fun uh i was the director of photography for half of the film i got to is it out yet or yeah no it's out it's on dvd um like i said it's it's got a ton of cameos in it Kane Hodder did the stunt choreography. PJ Souls is in it. Um, Caroline Williams from Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part Two is in it. And uh, you know, like I said, it it was really cool to work with Dick Miller and Sid Haig. That's awesome. Yeah, I never had the chance to meet either of them, so that's even cooler that 
you got to work on their last film and it, yeah. it looks like a good one to to have gone out on too because it looks like it looks like a lot of fun yeah it's the hanukkah is a lot of fun so that's definitely one to check out well i think we should uh same, same people that put out extra so there's the tie-in yeah <laughs> it all comes together in yep. the 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 short incestuous uh filmmaking world that's out there (laughs) it is it is small that is for sure so uh i think we should uh start wrapping this up but uh um anything you guys want to want to plug any of the the 31 movies that they should start watching now or can pick up to buy now yeah bill go for it hey you definitely got to see me and it wants blood yes eric roberts and amy dumas love that show two politicians going at it and they both have monsters. Nice. Not to like about that. It's and yeah, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> and if you like cue the winged serpent, <laughs> definitely. <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> but definitely, I'm very excited about Alien Danger. So that's me as the actual lead, and we're the smart people, the scientists, and we have alien scientists, and we're trying to save planets. Nice. <laughs> right now, of course, you got to get it wants blood and. If you're in the L.A. area, make sure you come to Alien Danger at the Chinese Theater, November 29th at 6 p.m. It's going to be a wild party. Like I said, it's got Tommy Chong in it and uh, Rob Halford from Judas Priest, as well as a ton of people from Star Trek, like Bobby Clark, the Gorn himself. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) <laughs> you know that's gonna be wild and also look out for your melting uh Lorreen landon's first nude scene ever Ooh. <laughs> awesome and where where can they follow you guys on the social medias to find out more about what you guys are doing you can always find me on uh facebook and uh, imdb uh you can find me on facebook instagram at james balsamo find me on twitter at acid bath product or go to my website, jamesbalsamo.com. Get yourself a cool t-shirt or hat or hot sauce or action figure or book. I wrote two books. And an RVHS. VHS. I've got that too. So <laughs> come on down, jamesbalsamo.com. What are you waiting for? I've got stuff. If you like extra, you like my stuff. It's weird. <laughs> I agree with that. And then uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Lego Larry. You can follow the show on Twitter at Talk and Troma. And as always, stay traumatized. <laughs>